Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Thank you, Lord, so much just for the opportunity to be here this morning and to worship you and to come before your throne of grace and just give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sing and to use the voices that we have and to make a joyful noise, Lord. You are so worthy of all of our praise, and so I pray that you would receive our worship this morning and um, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, through the word that you're going to bring through Marv. I pray that you would open our eyes to the truth, and for those of us who don't know you or for those of us who doubt what you're capable of, Lord, help us to see clearly, Lord, to see you rightly so that we know who we are in you, Father God. Uh, give Marv the words to speak. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, so Luke 13, 22 to 25. I promise you at some point in our church, we are going to finish the gospel of Luke, all right? It's like 24 chapters, a bunch of, uh, anytime I tell uh, other pastors that we're th- uh, preaching through the gospel of Luke, he's like, so are you expecting to take five years? Because it's so long and so detailed, but it's good, full of good, good stuff. All right, so Luke 13. If you got it, say amen. 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 All right, let's read it. Verse 22 says, He went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, somebody asked him, Are only a few people going to be saved? Are only a few people going to be saved? So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's doing his teaching thing again. And when Jesus spoke, people listened. Right, so he's, they're paying attention to what he says. Because when Jesus is talking, it's not some politician just trying to get your vote. When Jesus is talking, it's not just some celebrity talking about something they know nothing about, which goes on a lot today. It was the king talking. And what he says, we need to hear. And so he's on his way, and he's teaching, and this guy asks a question. Now, you've got to understand why he asked this question. He says, are only a few people going to be saved? He asked this because in that time, people thought that you were automatically going to get into the kingdom of God because you were Jewish. So that's why he asked the question. But Jesus has been putting people on notice that the only way into the kingdom is through me. He said, he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will, uh, will, will try to enter and will not be able to enter. Jesus says, he's saying to them, you want in the kingdom, the only way in is through me. In the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus is the gate. And what Jesus has been doing is he's saying, this door that you need to go through is me, and this door is open to Jews and Gentiles. Anyone can come in to the kingdom of God, if they trust, if they believe, and if they repent. Now, this verb, make every effort, so it's just one word in the Greek, make every effort. It talks about laboring into into the kingdom. 
And I want you to know, and you know this because you're living this life, journeying home is no cakewalk. Yeah. Right? Right? See, Yogi's always ready. I wish the rest of you would be all ready as he is. It's okay to talk. Journeying home is no cakewalk. It's hard. Do you know why? Because you have to take God's way in a world full of people who hate God and who are not on the way, who refuse to take that way. And so it's hard. Again, I, t- I started by telling you I was coaching basketball. That our ball team, me and brother Andy coached together, and they're young. It's an under-11 team. And we start practice with a four-minute run. And as soon as we say we're going to start by running, they all go, oh. We start practice with a run, and they start cussing as soon as we say it and complaining. And we end practice by running lines. I don't know if you ever played basketball, but running lines is not fun. And here's the thing. They've got to do it all by themselves. Nobody can, if you want to be on the team, you can't ask somebody else, can you run my lines? They got to do it all by themselves. I'm telling you that because the Christian journey is not like that. The journey home is hard. The journey home is a struggle at times, but it's not something you have to do all by yourself. When you take God's way, you get God's help. When you run God's way, he runs to help you. There's help and guidance from the Holy Spirit. As we ask for his help, there is wisdom given to us from the word. When we are tired and struggling, strength comes to us through prayer. And then we also have the love, support, and help of the people of God. The way home, you don't have to get it done all by yourself. There's the help from God. Verse 24, he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Then you will stand outside knocking on the door saying, Lord, open to us. And he will answer you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence and we taught in your streets and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Get away from me, all of you evildoers. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. And they will come from east and west, from north and south, to share the banquet. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I slowed down because it should touch you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always, it's barbecue season, right? See, I got my barbecue shirt on right now. Sharing the banquet in the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid of a barbecue. Throw one. Note this. Some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. What this tells you is that there are some people who were around Jesus. They knew Jesus, but they were not known by Jesus. They're in his presence, but they hadn't accepted him. They come and say, let us in. Open up. They're knocking. They're knocking. And the the homeowner who represents Jesus says, I do not know you. Notice it says it twice in your Bible. Verse 25. And he'll answer, I do not know you. Says it again in verse 27. But I, I will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Get away from me. This this door that Jesus has been talking about is open. 
but it's not open forever. Before I keep going, Anthony, can I ask you a question? By turning off that fan, did you turn off the air conditioning? Yeah, just turn the fan on. I'm, it's, we're good. I'll deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I, I can, if I'm feeling it, then you're probably feeling it. I don't want you napping by the end of this. So just turn it on. It's all good. My bad. So the door is not open forever. Jesus says, Jesus says there, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what he's trying to describe is this frustration that people are going to feel because they realize so clearly that they have missed the moment. And here's the, here's the thing that's also going to drive the frustration. They're going to see their spiritual heroes. Notice he says that they will see in the kingdom Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all enjoying this beautiful experience. And then they're going to see their spiritual heroes, and they're also going to see unexpected people in the kingdom enjoying it, and they're going to be outside. It's going to be a painful experience. That's why he means when he says the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus looks at this person who asked this question. Here's how this all comes together. He looks at this person who asked this question, and he says, the door is going to shut soon. There's this theme that's been going on through chapter 13, that this door of mercy and grace and all that is not going to be open forever. He says, this door is going to shut soon. And brother, you are asking the wrong question. That's what this response says. He says, you're asking, will the save be few when you should be asking, will the save be you? That's the question you should be asking. And this is why we need to hear this, because what Jesus says tells you to check yourself. It tells you to check yourself. See, it's not enough to be in the presence of Jesus. That's not enough. You have to actually accept the message of Jesus. It's not enough just to be around some people who are saying, I'm following Jesus. You actually have to accept the same Jesus in the God. You have to accept the, the gospel of grace, the truth that transformed. It's not enough to just hang around Jesus. You have to accept. And when you accept Jesus, he changes you. When you believe the gospel, it gives you a new love. When you believe the gospel, it changes your habits. When you believe the gospel, it shifts your priorities. People in the faith know and believe that Jesus is the Savior they need and they've accepted him. People in the faith read the word and repent from sin. People who are in the faith commit to a local church and commit to gathering regularly with the people of God to love and grow alongside them. People who are in the faith give to the work of the Lord, serve and discover their gifts. All of you, if you are in the faith, have a spiritual gift. And you're like, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I'm like, just start serving somewhere. And God will show it to you. When I first started uh, in church world, they just stuck me in Hope Kids. And they just said, just do it every week. And I did it every Saturday, not, as, not trying to boost myself in any way, every Saturday for like a year. And then through that, they're like, you seem like you can talk a little bit. Because I like talking. And then the Lord just figured it out from there. I didn't go into it like, what is my gift? What is, what? It's just something needed to be done. 
And we, and we just did it together. It was just me alone, but it was other people. And the Lord will show you. You're wondering sometimes, what's my spiritual gift? Start serving. If you're not serving, because a lot of you are. But if you're not, because some of you are not. And God will show it to you. People who are in the faith, forgive others. Because they know how much they have been forgiven. Let me just say this real clear. If you struggle with giving forgiveness, then you actually need to read some of the stories in Scripture that tell you how much that if you are a person who refuses to forgive others, it's a real possibility that you might not be in the faith. Because it's a sign that you do not know just how much you have been forgiven by God. Trust me, forgiveness is hard. And I'll say it because I say it all the time. Forgiveness and trust is not the same thing. But forgiveness always has to be extended because God looked at me and you and he's like, you don't deserve forgiveness, Mar, for the nonsense that you did for 25 years. But you're asking for mercy, so I'm giving it to you now. And you should turn around and give that same thing to the people who hurt you. Doesn't mean you have to trust them and put yourself in a place where they can hurt you again. But you extend grace and forgiveness and you say, all right, if you keep that up, God will take care of you. That's not my job. But I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to leave that to God. If you don't give forgiveness, check yourself. People in the faith talk about Jesus. They're not ashamed of the gospel. They're not afraid to say, I'm, in, I'm, I'm on the narrow way. And it might be wise for you to follow me and follow me as I follow him. People in the faith experience trials, temptations, discouragement, burnout, sometimes confusion and frustration, but people in the faith truly, as they go through all of those things, keep the faith. They don't give up. They persevere. They hold on. Believers don't live perfect lives, but they do these things consistently. This word from God forces you. Here's what this should do. It forces you to take a hard look at your life. That's what this is. And ask yourself, have I truly accepted Jesus or am I just hanging around Jesus? That's where that text comes home to us. It's not enough just to be in his presence. You have to accept his message and follow his way. Because let me tell you something. You don't want to miss out on the kingdom. No way. Let me say it again so a lot of you can shout. You, while I have you, you do not want to miss out on the kingdom. Amen? Because it's a place of joy. It's a place of rest. It's a place of diversity. It's a place of celebration. Now turn to somebody and say, Marv's not making it up. Lift her voice. He's not making up. Say, say, joy. Say it. Joy. Rest. Rest. Diversity. Diversity. Celebration. Selena, say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> say it. I'm sorry, you. Say it. You're talking. Say it. Say it with me. Rest. Rest. Joy. joy. Diversity. Diversity. Celebration. Celebration. And it's in the text. Say it. Say it. Look at verse 29. I'm not making stuff up. God sends me to tell you the truth. I do my best. Pray for me. They will come from east and west, from north and south. 
to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. God is saving people from all over the place. And there's a day coming where we're all going to be together sharing in the banquet of lots of diversity, lots of joy. Yogi said it. This is the best barbecue you're ever going to go to in your life. I'm serious. Place of joy. There's going to be good food. Say amen. Amen. There's going to be good wine. Say amen. Amen. There's going to be good people. Say amen. Amen. There's going to be good seats. Say amen. Amen. Celebrating with our good God. Say amen. 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 Here's why I'm showing you what's coming to you. There's joy coming your way. And I'm showing you it. For this reason, because it should have a practical effect on the way you live your life now. I'm showing what's what's coming to you to keep you following Jesus and his commands when others refuse. I'm showing you what's coming to you to keep you serving your kids, sacrificing for your kids, and telling them to trust and follow Jesus Christ so they don't miss out on the kingdom. I'm telling you this to keep you publishing, Rochelle, you're here, good books. Anthony, you're here, producing good music that lift up the king. I'm telling you, I'm showing you this, to keep you fearing the Lord and no one else. I'm showing you this, to keep you you practicing repentance and fighting sin. I'm showing you this, so you work hard at your job and your studies for the glory of God. I'm showing you this, so that you keep giving and spending and investing God's money wisely. I'm showing you this, so you keep resisting bitterness and anger when that thing that you have waiting on hasn't come yet and you need to trust God for that thing. I'm showing you this, so that you will help and support and give to people who are in need. I don't know if you've looked around the neighborhood that we're in, but there's a lot of needs around us, and we should be trying to meet those needs. I'm telling you this, so that you will continue to extend grace and forgiveness to each other. I talked about this the week ago, and I'm saying it again. We are going to hurt one another in church. I'm going to disappoint you, I promise you that, because I'm not Jesus. But we need to extend grace and forgiveness to one another. I'm telling you this so you keep running your business in a way that pleases God and blesses others. Yes, there's a beautiful future coming to you, but that future coming to you should affect the way you live now. I'm telling you this so you keep gathering with the people of God and lifting up praises to God and discipling one another because there is a beautiful future coming. Here's the thing. Living like this wise living like this will be rewarded by Jesus. That's why I'm telling you to live this way because there's a beautiful reward coming. Verse 31 says, at that time, some Pharisees came and told him, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go tell that fox. Oh yeah. Yeah, you think Jesus never told people what they needed to hear. Go tell that fox, look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today and tomorrow, and the third day I will complete my work. Jesus is going to do what he came to do. Yet it is necessary that I travel today and tomorrow and the next day because it's not possible for a prophet to perish outside Jerusalem. So Jesus, again, on his way. And on his way, he gets negative news. But what do you notice about Jesus? He's unfazed. 
They're like, you should get out of here. He's unmoved. Do you know why? Because Jesus knows who's in charge. Jesus knows he's in charge. He says, go tell that fox. And when he calls him a fox, what he's saying is, he's saying Herod is sly. He is cunning. He is dangerous. He, he killed Jesus' cousin. But again, unfazed. He cannot speed Jesus up. He cannot slow Jesus down. And he cannot scare Jesus. Because Jesus knows he is in charge. He says, tell him I'm going about my business. He says, tell him I'm keeping my own schedule. Tell him that I'm helping people and I'm destroying the work of Satan. I'm not in a hurry. I'm doing my thing. I will take, I will follow my own schedule. And you tell him that when I'm good and ready, I will get to Jerusalem and I will give my life for the people who God loves and plans to rescue through my powerful and beautiful work. You tell Herod to just hold on. No hurry. Unfazed because he knows he is in charge, and we need to hear this answer because it reminds us that Jesus is in charge. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's glad that God's in charge. Amen. If you're glad God's in charge, give him, give him some praise. <laughs> Selena, if you're glad God's in charge, you tell Rochelle, he's in charge. He is in charge. Now, here's why you need to, you need, this should bless your soul. Here's why this should help you. I'm feeling good now. Yeah. Yeah. Because in your life, you're going to get negative news. In your life, there's going to be storms. In your life, there's going to be trials. In your life, there's going to be tough times. There's going to be up and downs in your marriage. There's going to be up and down with your kids. There's going to be up and down with your job. There's going to be up and downs in church life. Sometimes you're going to feel like, I don't know if I can go on anymore, if I can keep going with this. But you, when those things hit you, when they touch you, and if they haven't touched you yet, I promise you they will because you're living in a broken world. You tell yourself, oh yeah, that thing's rolled up on me, but I want that thing to know God's in charge. And that God works all things for those who love him, for their good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God has started a good work in you. God has started a good work in our city. God started a good work in this church. God has started a good work in this world. And Jesus looks at these people and he says, the kingdom has come and that work is going to be completed. Nothing's going to be able to stop it. And so in the trial, in the storm, in the struggle, in the negative news, you stand there unfazed. Because God is in your life. Because God is always working. Because God is always doing things for your good, even sometimes when it doesn't feel that way. And you're like, Marv's yelling a lot, and I am, because I'm excited about it, and so should you. Because he cares for you, and that tough thing that comes, God will use that to sanctify you. God will use that to grow and mature you. God will use that thing. Just look at me, people walking all the time. God will use that thing to make you more like Jesus. That's the entire aim. You sometimes wonder, what's God's will for my life? Your sanctification. That's what he's going for. 
And so you stay unfazed in the midst of the negative news. Jesus gives that example. He says the kingdom has come. He's been telling people this. Here's here's the sad thing. Jesus says this to people, but they don't believe it. And honestly, it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. Look at verse 34. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. This is called a lament. Watch this. He says, how often, Jesus cared about his people. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you were not willing. Look at the compassion and the tenderness of Jesus. Just think about that picture. Just He wants to gather them under his wing. He says, but you were not willing. He says, see your house is abandoned to you. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see the compassionate heart of Jesus here. And I'm showing you this because this should inform the way you share your faith. You look at people and you tell them, because all Jesus has been doing is calling people to himself. And now he, as his church, he gives us that responsibility. But as you're doing that, do you know what you tell them? You tell them the gospel call comes from a heart full of compassion. It comes from a savior who cares about you. Sometimes people are like, oh, that church thing, all it is is, and I thought like this for a long time, Jesus wants to take away all my freedoms. He wants to stop me from going to the club. He just wants to lay his rules down on me. That's all. And you, you, you look at people when you hear that kind of stuff and you say, no. The, the gospel call comes from a heart of compassion. Jesus sees you hurting yourself and hurting others. And he calls you to himself because he wants to change you. He wants to give you a new heart that, that takes you into this place where you don't hurt yourself and hurt other people. You love and serve other people. Jesus sees you experiencing guilt and shame, and he wants to call you under his wing so that he can remove all of the guilt and shame and give you peace. Jesus sees you trusting your own wisdom and making a mess of your life, and he wants to take you under his wing and give you his wisdom that helps you to make wise and good decisions and and takes you off the path of pain and puts you on the path of peace. He sees you heading for danger because we learn in chapter 13, hell is a very real place. There is the kingdom of God, but then there's life outside of the kingdom of God. And it's a dangerous place. Jesus sees you. You look at at people and you say, with a heart of compassion, Jesus sees you heading for danger and he's trying to draw you into the shelter of his grace so you can experience the joy, the rest, the celebration that is the kingdom of God. Do you tell them that? That that Jesus is trying to give you a beautiful future. And And as you're doing that, just think about your own future. What's coming to you? And you tell them, I'm sharing all of this with you because I want you to, to stand there with the people of God when the sky breaks 
And it is going to break one day. And I know sometimes some of you don't believe it, but it's actually true. Jesus is coming. And when he comes, we all want to stand there and say, blessed is he. You see it right there? Blessed, verse 35, is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Because when he comes, you are going to experience all the beauty and blessing of the kingdom. Everything will be right, right, Jermaine? And it will work right when Jesus comes. And so you don't want to miss out. And so it's, this text is actually a hard word for the people who heard it. Because Jesus says the possibility of missing out on the kingdom is very real. That's why you check yourself. Because you don't want to miss out on the joy and the blessing. What does the song say, Sabrina? We'll be singing forever. I don't want to sing it because I can't sing. We'll get your voice up here. We'll be singing forever and ever what? We'll be singing forever and ever what? We'll be singing forever and ever what? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you, I'm hot, but we're going to stand up right now, and we are going to sing. And I want to get hotter because your voices are lifting the temperature up in here. No. Come on. Come, no, stand up. I'm not leading up a song. Yeah. We're going to, no, we're going to stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make a joyful noise. Not a, all right. Let me just finish this. We are going to lift our voices and sing this song because this song speaks of the, your future reality. That you're going you're gonna, to, you're wondering what it sounds like. It sounds like us. You're wondering what it looks like. It looks like us. Place of joy, rest, diversity, and celebration. That is where we are headed. And so let's sing like it. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.